0: Welcome to the Law Flaunt podcast with Isabella from Open Law, your go-to series for all things law. Learn the tips, tricks, and challenges of the legal profession's best, and keep up to date with emerging legal technologies and developments that are transforming the way Australia's legal system is practiced. David and Goliath, Duffy and Google, everyone loves a story of the underdog. Usually, Goliath reigns supreme, but sometimes, just sometimes, the underdog gets justice. Today, we are speaking with an inspiring individual who took on one of the world's largest companies, Google, in a defamation case and won. Remarkably, she even defeated Google as a self-represented litigant. Not having a large commercial law firm supporting her, Dr. Janice Duffy turned to powerful legal research tools that she could access herself online. One of those tools that assisted Dr. Duffy is Jade. A comprehensive and easily searchable database of legal cases and legislation. Keep listening to this podcast to hear how Jade helped David slew Goliath. Dr Janice Duffy, welcome.
1: Hello, how are you? Well,
0: thank you. How are you?
1: Good, and it's great to be able to uh, talk about the process because um, I was used to, when I did my PhD, it was all, all from a library. But having uh, tools online just made things so much easier.
0: Of course, and we've been following your journey um, as the self-represented litigant. So firstly, can you tell us a bit about your background and how your situation when these legal proceedings commenced?
1: Okay, so uh, when I turned 50, 51, um, I actually became very depressed and it's now recognised that there are uh Hormonal issues, and I—I I was looking around. Um, I was try- I was working full time doing research on chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and uh, and other health issues. And so I, I was looking online, um, and I came across a website that initially uh, I was attracted to because they offered online counselling but i they also offered um things like spiritual advice and uh even legal advice at the time i didn't know that it was it was they were using um people without qualifications or that it was a, a it was a, a scam so i got i got to cut a long story short i got conned and i realized after a few months and um so I thought, I thought I'd look around and do some research and find out a bit about um, the website. Uh, and I found a lot of complaints on a website called ripoffreport.com. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was also, uh, it, well, it's an extortion racket, basically, a Google enabled extortion racket. So I posted a you know i posted about the original website and you know of course people attacked me and um so i formed a support group and next thing you know <laughs> there was all of these these reports falsely saying that i was a hacker i was a blackmailer i was a stalker um and accusing me of very what the courts have said were very serious uh, criminal actions that I didn't do, and of course it was. They were posted there because the people that were scamming the members of the support group and I um, were, well, they wanted to assassinate my character in order, you know, to 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 scare people away from joining the support group. Down the track, um, my my employer, the state government of South Australia at the time, um found found it because my name appeared at the top in Google searches with um identifying my name, my city, uh, my uh workplace, and it had in the snippets, you know, ripoff, scam, uh, stalker, blackmailer. And my work found it and and I actually, I was forced to resign. I I was told that um, either I took a package or um, they would haul me into court uh, and charge me with misconduct, even though I didn't actually do what I was accused of. So I spent a a significant amount of time, um, many months, searching on Google to try and find a way to get Google to remove content and I finally found a way through Google Australia to they they actually gave me an email to Google in the US, uh, uh, removals at google.com, and I sent a significant, a large sort of removal, detailed removal request, and they refused. And they re- actually refused me over the next year three times to remove the content. In that time, I re- I started looking at the legal position, because I knew enough to know that it was defamatory, but I didn't know anything about defamation. So I start uh, I started looking online, and I found out about concerns notices. I found out about um, you know I found the Defamation Act, um, a whole lot of stuff. And and I actually then at the end of two thousand this was two thousand and ten, I sent Google Australia and Google. Inc. in the US, a detailed concerns notice and they refused that one too. So around that time, I I was in the position where I was told by the government that I I had to take a package or they were going to go after me for misconduct and I I knew I couldn't fight the South Australian government with, um, you know, the stuff on Google. So I took the package so I went to see lawyers and we ended up filing uh, defamation proceedings. This was in uh, February 2011 because I thought that if we did that, Google might just remove everything and, you know, I could pay the lawyers a few thousand dollars and just get on with my life. But Google didn't remove everything. They removed a small amount of it, but the rest of it was still online and it was spreading because um, at that time, the way the Google algorithm worked was that um, it was picking up um, what they call high value keywords, of course, you know, ripoff, uh, scam was highly valued. And the website itself, ripoff report, was highly valued in the Google algorithm. So other sites were uh, copying it. And at one stage, there were 200 snippets from just half a dozen uh, web pages off ripoff report. There were 200 snippets on Google. So then, so it went through court and, uh, There was, you know, the the mediations and Google tried to get it struck out and failed and um, 18 days before the Supreme Court trial was set, I ran out of money and I had no choice but to take it over myself with no legal experience or I knew that Google would have come after everything I had in costs if I didn't. So I, I signed, yeah, I took over self-represented at 18 days. I spent that 18 days trying to uh, uh, do legal research. I had done quite a bit of research over the preceding couple of years because I, I was, you know, I was interested in, 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 you know, how the law worked. And because I'm a researcher, that's what I do, you know, and I wasn't working so I had time to do it. So I um, spent that 18 days trying to top up my research and churning out um, trial books on an old printer and a spiral binder that I put on eBay and trotted off to court. And it was an absolute horrendous experience. It was, you know, I literally, um, I would get up at four in the morning uh, to try and prepare for court. And I'd come home. And at that stage, my late father was living with me. So, and he was elderly in his 90s. So, I, I, you know, I'd prepare food for him. And I'd just curl up and sob, you know, and it was just so horrific. They had um, two law firms. Uh, plus the Google lawyers, and there was just me, and I was lucky in in two respects. Firstly, uh, that the judge, uh, Justice Blue, took over management, and he divided the um, the trial into two parts: into liability, and if I won on liability, then he would do damages, and secondly. Uh, Google's QC at the time, who's now a, a, himself a Supreme Court justice, uh, he, he he was respectful and he, um, the other lawyers wanted to crush me, that was clear. I mean, they treated me with such contempt, but he at least kept some sort of, um, uh, stop them from, completely annihilating me and my character. So then so we did you know we did the trial and, and um we had 5 weeks and uh then we had to go back for 2 days and in that 5 weeks I had to write closing submissions and this is where you know doing legal research really uh became so useful because I wrote my own closing submission I wrote the law um I wrote the law because I was able to to read up the law and trace, you know, defamation back to um, the, you know, to to, to the English courts, you know, the the common law. And I learned all about that from, um, you know, online databases. I didn't have to go into um, the law library and try and work my way around, you know, or try and find my way around that. I was able to do keyword searches. I was able to... um, uh, you know to to trace cases back, you know, cited cases back um, but, uh, you know from from my study. So uh, it was I think it was only um, August, September, October, uh, about um I don't know ten weeks after the trial closed and the liability judgment came in. And I was utterly terrified, but I, I was feeling okay. And the reason I was feeling okay was that um, in the closing submissions, uh, His Honour um, the QC, who's now his honour, uh, Justice Doyle was sort of um taking um the court through, you know, the through through the history of common law and basically he he spoke for two days and i spoke for 10 minutes and at the end of it at one stage justice blue looked at the clock and it was nearly lunchtime he said justice doyle do you really sorry mr doyle do you really expect me to overturn 100 years of common law and i knew that i was in with a the chance then so anyway so i wrote i wrote the um in the break i wrote my closing um Uh, written submissions and I was lucky that I had um, uh, a couple of lawyers that were helping me pro bono and they sort of went through it and made a few amendments but um, you know I wrote 95% of it and I won on liability and at that stage um, two things happened. Firstly Google hadn't removed the defamatory content; it was still online. Second thing was that um, uh, the court said a, a, a li- uh, sorry a, a damages trial, and I was able to have lawyers to represent me in, in that because, of course, then I could guarantee costs. So um, I was awarded damages, and uh, the content was still on page one of Google, and. I um, I waited and waited and and oh then then we went into the appeal and that was heard in May and this was all you know I had lawyers for the appeal this was all all really um, uh, was really distressing because um, especially after I won the amount of abuse that I I received I mean I had um, I've got a blog. And I had, uh, notes sent to my blog, like contact through my contact form. I had, uh, over the next couple of years, uh, Google actually published my address online and in a legal, a confidential legal document on it. They sent it to another website called Lumen database that published it unredacted. I had, um, uh, people, um, Writing uh, completely untrue content like uh, that, I was doing it for the money. No, I wasn't doing it because Google has deep pockets. I, I just wanted it removed. That's all. And it was still on there. And in fact, it remained in some form or another on page one of Google until 2018. That was after I won the. Um, the first trial after I won the appeal and uh, and for actually for a year after I sued them a second time. So I ran out of money, of course, because I uh I did get damages, but I hadn't been working. So I, I so I, and I knew that that Google were going to Google were then, again, trying to do what, what they call deep pocket me, which is that they run up legal bills. They tried to, uh, using various things like that. there was a um, a conciliation meeting and whilst I can't say what went on there, I can say that it, it cost me thousands of dollars and Google were uncooperative to the point that, I knew that I was gonna go and have to to go through court again. In September they uh they tried to get the this case thrown out, September 2018. And during that time my, my dad had passed away and he was ninety-five and and I you know, I I decided I, I took a bit of money from I finally um I finally, they finally paid, Google finally paid my damages from three years previously, and I just thought I'm, I'm going to go overseas and just try and have a break. So I did. There were there was a conciliation conference before I went away. Uh, there was one when I got back in 2019. All failed. Um, and... Google had, had Google tried on several occasions to uh over the next from 2019 to 2022 when there was the liability trial to uh obstruct the legal process so I I was having to do you know research on um It was several interlocutory applications. Then, of course, there was COVID. So it was finally set down for trial for um, September 2022. It it took a a bit longer because we actually set the trial, the court actually set the trial um, after they were unsuccessful again in getting things, getting it thrown out. for uh in September 2021 for September 2022 because of course there was a covid backlog so once uh it was listed for trial it was another year till it got to court and so in that time um there was you know a couple of other interlocutory uh applications one by uh, well google tried to get the um Statement claim dismissed and failed, and um I had to uh actually just amend it, which I was allowed to do, and we went to trial. And this one was different. I wasn't as in, in the two in the uh, in the 2022 trial, I wasn't as uh overwhelmed, I was used to the legal, more used to the legal process. It still didn't stop Google from um, trying to uh, bully or scare me or, you know, sort of manipulate me into giving up. And And some of their tactics were, Reprehensible. Uh, at one stage um, I actually got sick in the middle of the 2022 liability trial and uh, I came down with a chest infection just through exhaustion and I had to have a few days off because I was really ill and Google were writing to me um, by email saying that if that I didn't, comp- even though I had a medical certificate, that the court approved of. If I didn't have, if I didn't do this task by six o'clock that night, this small task that the judges set had set, um, they were going to haul me in front of the du- duty judge and go after me for costs and all of this kind of stuff. And I just, I, I was, it was really awful. I, I wrote to the judge and I said, look, you know, they're acting like schoolyard bullies here. I have a medical certificate. They tried to uh, Google tried to go behind my back and um, offered to pay uh, a lawyer that I had had been helping me pro bono to and to twist my arm to force a settlement that was unacceptable to me. They uh, they treated me with contempt in the courtroom. They lied, and but it was a much. I, I found it easier to survive because I knew what I was doing. So, so the um, the trial finished uh, in October, um, early October two thousand twenty two, and then I um, had uh, a week to write the closing submissions. So uh, I did and we were called back to court and uh, Auxiliary Justice Tillmouth sort of w- walked in and said, oh, Dr Duffy, um, I've read your closing submission. I went, oh, I'm thinking, oh, no. And he says, you've actually got a uh, quite a good analysis of the law, but I've got questions about, you know, a couple of points, and I was just—I was really pleased, and I was really relieved because it, because the thing is that this um, Google were because of the, the Defteros case, Google were in a slightly different legal position. They were trying to—they um, were trying to argue that. Um, The problem was with my notifications that I hadn't notified Google properly, which was unacceptable unacceptable by the court. They weren't, as in the first trial, they weren't arguing that they were not liable because um, they're not liable as a, a search engine. They were just arguing that um, they weren't liable because it was my fault I hadn't notified them properly, and I had, you know, and the the court, I notified them many, many, many times. And, in fact, the last notification that I sent was actually to the chair of Alphabet, who was then the chair of the Google board, Professor John Hennessy, and this was accepted by the court and is actually in the judgment that I said to him, um, because I had been writing to him for several years on and off, so uh, telling him about this extortion website, how it's destroying people's lives. And I was tracking the emails, so I knew he, he read them, and I was able to put that in, into evidence. And the court accepted two things, two important things in the second de- uh, decision. A, that the website is an extortion racket, a Google-enabled extortion racket. And that courts in the US have found that it actually um, charges five and a half thousand US dollars to remove to get Google to to remove a link. So using Google removal service, and then the um, the website charges um, ordinary people to remove defamatory content. And the second thing that um, was accepted was that Google absolutely knew that this was an extortion racket and that um, it was publishing uh, defamatory content. So that was different. That that was different from the first liability trial in which Google uh, argued that they weren't liable because they were a search engine and didn't have any control uh, over. Well, they argued innocent dissemination. They also argued truth and in uh, uh, what well, they argued everything they could honest opinion, truth, qualified privilege, innocent dissemination, and they failed on everything. In this trial, they withdrew qualified privilege on the, the first day of the trial. They didn't argue truth, but what they argued was that um, it was my fault because I didn't notify them. Uh, you know, it was under the um, defamation act, my uh, notifications didn't fit, fit the law. And they failed on that.
0: We'd just like to take a moment to thank our Jade Professional subscribers. Jade Professional subscribers allow us to support the legal community with comprehensive open access to legal information and free tools that help you search the law. But there's so much more to legal research than search. And there's so much more to Jade. J Professional provides smarter legal research tools such as Jade Clips, so you can easily find the most recent cases citing a provision of legislation. Document uploads to automatically check citations and create citation reports with links to cases and legislation. Legislation visualizations to quickly determine how and to what extent a provision of legislation has changed over time and compare versions side by side, focus matches, to quickly determine whether a judgment is relevant before reading the whole case. And case law visualizations to efficiently drill down into the complex relationships between cases and better understand them. You can try all of that and more for just $65 a month with no locking contracts or take an annual subscription for $695. So I know you mentioned some of the reasons why you opted to represent yourself rather than hiring counsel. But what specific challenges did you face as a self-represented litigant? And if I can ask, what legal background did you have in order for you to feel confident enough to represent yourself?
1: No legal background. The background I had was of research um, in, in health, but an ability to actually do research and understand, um, uh, well, mine was more science and health-based. But to, uh, to, uh, to, to actually find things out, that was the background I had. The only, the only um, connection uh, years ago when I was teaching, I, I was teaching first-year law students their non-law subject um, when I was teaching politics at um, Flinders Uni. But other than that, um, no legal background, but I had expertise in databases I had expertise in finding things out and I had expertise in putting things together to make uh, a story that's what research does tells a story you know it's 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 a, it sets out a problem okay research sets out a problem seeks to find an answer and sets out the steps that uh, are used to find the answer so I was able to um The problem was um, I was being defamed, and it was being denied, and it wasn't being removed. But mostly legally, that I I was saying in court that that uh, I was being defamed. The point, the solution I wanted to get to was for the court to agree that I was being defamed. So that the steps to get there were actually to uh, to research previous cases um research the law um that's basically it you know I, I mean i i i knew how to set out the facts um because obviously in in law i know now there's two sorts of, there's the facts and then there's the law and so i knew how to set out the facts from my um uh from you know my phd etc but and I knew how to 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 um, research methodology and set all that out that out um, in my health research. So what I actually I sort of uh, extrapolated that to well, I need to figure out how I can convince a court that I'm being defamed under the conditions. In which they would accept it, which is the law.
0: So that's what I did. It's very impressive. Um, It was terrifying. It was was absolutely. Of course. So, what challenges did you face as a self represented litigant?
1: Well, okay. So, uh, no money um, up against just being a person with no experience and no money. Uh, up against um, very experienced law firms who are out baying for my blood, so to speak. I they were, I mean, they were using um legal techniques available to them under the law, like getting um, you know, a strikeout, apply uh, filing for a strikeout and that's their right but that meant i had to um go off and research and learn about not only the defamation act or, or defamation law but law that ap- applied to um what would make um what would a court would consider um uh that a claim was untenable okay so i mean they they t- they tried uh they tried in 2018 when i was self-represented took over self-represent uh, separate when i was self-represented to um get this struck out and and you can see in t- it took the year the, it took the court a year to render uh, a decision on that and it's um it's on the database uh Dated September two thousand and nineteen. The reason for that was that a I was going overseas, and b I did go through um, a couple of um, uh, you know conciliation conferences that the court ordered, so that were unsuccessful. So um, the court had tried to to get uh, Google to resolve this, and they didn't want to resolve it. They want they well they wanted to crush me, and. Um, I wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, so back to my point is that I had to then learn what makes, uh, on what um, basis would a court strike out a, a, a statement of claim. So I mean, it was a whole diff- it's a whole different uh, aspect of law to just what um, constitutes defamation. So those were the challenges that it wasn't just about defamation law. It was about navigating each step of the process. What I had on my side was that the court uh, will always, with self-represented litigants, um, give them time. Okay. So for example in the first trial i asked the court asked me how long i i would need to to write my um closing uh, written submission i said about four or five weeks because i was a i was exhausted and um b i i i needed to do some work and i didn't have a team of lawyers writing it like google um so i was able to actually um make sure that uh we, you know uh, uh, with the assistance of the court I was able to actually stave off Google's trying to force everything into court and and just get it thrown you know get it through I was able to to actually ask for time and say you know to to, to the court I need this time and the court will always, if it's a legitimate claim and there's a self-represented litigant against uh experienced lawyers or you know a corporation or whatever will always um, uh, give you know they have to they they give the self-represented litigant the time to um to prepare their their cases it does it doesn't mean to say that the court will entertain um vexation but it does. Um, but it will. Uh, it will give. It will give us a fair go, and that was one thing I found with um, the court in South Australia, the Supreme Court. I didn't always win. I lost a few battles along the way, small battles, but I lost a few. And, but it was always fair to me. The judges, the registry were uh, just amazing. The judges were always fair, and I I appeared in in front of quite a few um, of the Supreme Court justices, and they were all always fair.
0: Yes. So how do you feel that the Australian legal system then supports those who want to or need to represent themselves?
1: I think that the courts, actually, as long as a, a, a litigant is not vexatious or if the claim is um, completely untenable, I don't. I think that the courts do support self-represented litigants. I think that there is some. There is some assistance in the legal system with, um, you know, pro bono, uh, pro bono help and and um, legal clinics and you know things like that. I don't think that it's easy. I think that for anyone, it's an absolute nightmare. It's probably not as much of a, a nightmare as it would be, um, you know, in, in another country because, you know, we have a very much a, a, a democratic uh, system here and a, a, a system that's focused on um, looking after the rights of individuals, but it's still an absolute nightmare because, because there's an imbalance in power. It's an imbalance in knowledge and an imbalance in power um you know it's, it's 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 corporations and companies can afford to to pay um you know high powered lawyers who know all the tricks who know all the angles and who are not afraid to 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 use them and someone coming into it like i did it's just like you've got to be i was i was really quite I've been really quite disgusted at um the way that Google acted over the years. They really have treated me very badly. and I think I think that uh, from knowing um the situations, for example, on whistleblowers who are who are facing the Australian legal system at the moment and their lawyers. I I think it's very difficult. I think it's very difficult and it's very, very unfair.
0: Um, and you mentioned before that you used um, a range of legal research tools and databases. So um, how else did you prepare for each level and each step of this case? And what was your legal strategy?
1: Okay, so um, that's an interesting question. I used the same strategy that I would use um, in health research, which is I define the problem. I set out what I want answered or done and it answered. It, it, define the problem means, you know, set out the research question. Okay. So in this case, it would be, uh, not what factors um, can, for example, what factors can GPs, uh, what, what, um, not, okay, I'll say that again. I'd set out the research question. So in health there would be, uh, you know, what ways uh, can GPs use to increase their delivery of uh, smoking cessation um, tools? In, in their practice. that's the example of a research question. In this the, the research the, the question was okay, how can I prove I was defamed? So then I'd set out like um, the tools um, which if, if I was looking at say GPS and smoking cessation, I would look and look at what sort of tools would I, I, I re- I'd research prior um, for, for prior programs and their success. I'd look at um, the feasibility of um, perhaps doing questionnaires in the practice, et cetera, et cetera. So in trying to um, prove that I was defamed, uh, the tools the, the, the tools would be okay, so I'd want to look at um, look for all of the 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 prior cases. The relevant prior cases, um, both on what constitutes defamation, and for um, in the specific circumstance which was online, but there weren't many for when I was in 2015 were online that were successful. Um, So, but there were things like there were cases of um, someone putting up a notice board. Uh, in a, a sports club that that were comparable so i i i went through uh, and did searches on data legal databases for um cases uh for outcomes and to look at how they they proved it like i uh, 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 you know ha- witnesses like there has to be um I think one um one witness who saw it, but then there's things like inference, which you can say, um, if you put up a, a you know, a sports uh, put up a a notice board in a, a sports club saying Joe Blow is a dickhead, and um one person told you Joe Blow, but then there were a lot of people attending the sports club. You could infer that they they saw it too. Online, um I was able to uh, access the data that um, Google used to uh, of the number of views of the number of searches for my name and the number of uh, views. So I was able to find that through uh, doing research. So that was another tool, and then you just try and you just try and put it all together to answer the question. The question is: How can I prove I was defamed? Well. You know, someone saw it, it I was defamed under the law. Um, then there was of course, um, I looked at concert the the actual defamation act, which was concerns notices. So what constitutes a concerns notice? Okay, so um it has to be in writing, um you know, that they, they have to reply with I think in 28 days or whatever, and just put it all together basically. And hoped that it would prove I was defamed, and it did and and it was actually different for the for the first liability trial and the second liability trial because in the first liability trial, uh firstly, I had to prove that it was defamatory because they were pleading truth and contextual truth. And secondly, um I had to prove that um uh not only was it seen, but it was seen by um, a large number of people. And thirdly, that um, they had the ability to remove it. So so there were various there are various elements that I had to prove um, in the first trial that I didn't have to prove in the second because they accepted that it was defamatory. But what they were trying to say, was that okay? It was defamatory. We could have removed it, but she didn't notify us correctly. So, um, and also, I had to, I had to do research on the various defences, and that was an important part. So, in the first, as I said, in the first liability trial, I had to do research on, um, you know, what constitutes truth. truth the defence of truth, contextual truth, um, uh, honest opinion, qualified privilege and innocent dissemination. And I had to address all of those in my closing um, written argument. So I had to be able to pull up cases, that comparable cases. In the second liability trial, the only thing I really had to address was the the note the issue of notification because that was the only valid defence that they could press, and that actually wasn't that that was um, oh, and also the, the issue of the Defteros matter, which was uh, the year before um, the Defteros case, the High Court had ruled in favour of Google over a hyperlink. So I had to read up on the law and what the high court said was basically well if it's just a hyperlink uh it's not defamatory but if it's a hyperlink that contains the defamation and the snippet which mine did then then it's defamatory and that was the crucial difference and that was something that um the court accepted And in in my case, in the second case, liability case. So, it 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 by accepting that it was defamatory, um, as it was presented online, it it concurred with the High Court that mentioned my case as a as an example as an example of when it is defamatory, uh, as opposed to when it's not defamatory. So I had to read up all of that sort of stuff, and of course, Google. Google were throwing in, you know, legal red herrings here, there and everywhere, and, uh, you know, I had to try and sort of navigate all that. In the end, Google's closing um, written submission was about 80 pages and it just tried to just assassinate me again um, and blame me for, you know, breathing, basically. and. Mine was 20 pages and I just quoted the facts and and the High Court. So, But I had to be able to um, understand how to um, read um, the cases that the High Court used to differentiate and I had to find them, which, you know, I did and they used a Canadian case. So it was basically always just trying to keep up with the with the red herrings and the curveballs that Google was sending because they tried everything. And every time they try a different angle, then I'd be off doing research trying to deal with it.
0: So if you could go back in time, is there anything that you would have done differently? No.
1: I had no choice. Google refused to remove it. My former employer had found it. I knew I would never be able to work while it was on there. Google published the defamatory content from um, what well, I founded in 2009 after my former employer founded, and they didn't remove it until from the page one of their Google search results for my name until early 2018. So... No, I didn't. I didn't want it to go there. I didn't want to go to court. I just wanted it removed. I don't think there's anything I could have done differently. I um, I did the best I could with what with what I had, and what I had was I had resources. I had resources. Um, I was able to. Um, I'm a big fan of databases. Um, because of course, you know, they it, going back to, um, you know, a couple of decades ago when um, in health research, I started using something called systematic reviews, which um, just compile all the research. Well, you know, they don't do that in law in the same way. But I'm a big fan of databases because you can find, if you know what you're looking for, you can find it by keyword. Right. and and it, and you can trace things back you don't have to sort of um you can do it quickly and efficiently and that's the thing it's not like being in the law library where um uh you know you have to um uh you know you spend sort of hours trying to look through dusty microfiches and you know indexes and stuff like that um you can you can do a search and you can narrow down the search, and then you can do another search and you can build on it and you can put it aside and you can you can build up a picture really quickly. I actually did spend a, a few days in the local Supreme Court Law Library once, um, just after I won on liability, because I was chasing up um, for the lawyers that I did instruct for damages um i was chasing up um two or three obscure um uh legal cases and i got to tell you it was it was you know time consuming and frustrating and of course this was in 2015 so you know it's much more online now but um on legal databases they're much more up to date and um i much prefer uh, to be able to, um, sit in my study, dog on the floor, you know, cup of coffee and just everything around me and just work without having to try and navigate and find a park and do all those sorts of things.
0: So our last question for today, hopefully because of your success, the opposing side will likely think twice before taking on a similar matter but how would you advise others if they were in the situation of possibly having to represent themselves?
1: Okay, so I wouldn't advise it. Um, I would... uh, I wouldn't advise it. It's horrific. Um, But there are some... I would never advise it. Um, I would advise... Okay, if it was the same situation in getting um, uh, content removed, I would get, uh, I would, and people have done this download my decisions, go to a lawyer and get them to write uh, a really strong removal letter to Google Australia and Google US and quote, you know, quote the law, quote, quote the cases. Um, the problem is that it's a little bit harder now. It's a bit more difficult with um, uh, the Defteros ter- High Court decision for people to get things removed. But I know that um, people have gotten content removed from Google by quoting my case because it, it's still it's still a, a precedent. I still hold um, a legal precedent right up to the whole High Court. There are other ways um, to get things removed, even if, it, even if it's not from Google, then you can go to, uh, and this has actually worked, I know this has worked for some people, uh, go to the uh, uh, the host, the blog host or the, the website host um, and quote the law to them. Or get a lawyer to do it. There's stuff. There's still stuff online. I mean, the, the content about me hasn't been completely removed. And my next task is I'm going to be trying to lobby um, the U.S. Congress to try and investigate um, that website because it's it's destroying um, people's lives, not only mine but a lot of lives uh, in in America, mostly. These days, as opposed to when I started trying to get this content removed, I I was refused an injunction in 2000 and I think it was 11 to get the content removed, but in the district court, and that's online. um, The decision's online. But these days it's much easier to get a court, a court order to get content removed. And I think that the way to go is actually to, um, if you can't pay a lawyer to do it, then get, uh, you know, some some pro bono legal help through a community, do some research, you know, read up and get pro bono help to write um, uh, an application for a permanent injunction. It's it's. It's to, to get the content removed. Look back where, who's publishing it. It's it's not only Google. There's there's websites and and you know blog posts and all sorts of things and, and Facebook, and most of the time they will honor court orders. So I think I think that's the way to go, is that I would advise someone not to think about suing for defamation. But to to look at um, getting some help to get uh, uh, to write an application and going to court to get uh, an injunction to to remove and and to look at the website and look at how you contact them. and yeah, just spend a bit of time just looking at um what you're fighting.
0: Well, thank you so much, Janice, for showing coverage in the face of adversity and inspiring us all. To just believe in ourselves, even if we don't have the background necessary. Um, And thank you for listening to this special episode of Lawfult Podcast. We hope you were inspired by Janice Duffy's incredible story and her victory against Google, which serves as a testament to the power of determination and self belief in the face of tremendous odds. So if you found this episode to be as inspiring as we did, please review Lawfult and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next installment. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Law Fault Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Open Law on LinkedIn and Twitter to stay up to date. Keep listening on your favorite streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more and hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes leave a review if you enjoyed the episode. And if you'd like to contact me, you can email icarazzi, I-C-A-R-R-O-Z-Z-I at openlaw.com.au. And don't forget to head over to openlaw.org.au to learn more, stay up to date and become law fluent. Speak to you next time.